You're listening to Rise and Shine, raw chats with real women in small business. We explore the wisdom, stumbles, and wins of females who are carving out their own path in the free fall of business ownership. I'm your host, Rachel Green, SEO copywriter and founder of Shine Copy. Let's do it. Hello. Today I'm chatting with bookkeeping business owner, Beck Buchanan from Straight Up Bookkeeping. But don't let the numbers and accounting kind of stuff make you want to turn this episode off because we're talking about a whole lolly bag of small business wisdom and BTS goodness. Beck, welcome. Thank you so much, Rachel, for having me. It's I started my own podcast earlier this year and it's so nice to be on someone else's instead of being in the driver's seat <laughs> for once. But yeah, you said everything correctly. I'm Beck Buchanan and I run a bookkeeping business called Straight Up Bookkeeping. I'm a chartered accountant by trade, but I decided a few years ago to give up my corporate accounting career and yeah, start this bookkeeping business on the premise that I might have more flexibility and time with my children, but alas, I've never been busier. (laughs) And whilst I've got flexibility, I sometimes feel that flexibility means working at all hours and uh, at very early hours of the morning before the children wake up. And I'm not sure if the joke's on me, but I do love it. I do love it. Helping creative (laughs) business owners understand their numbers better is my jam. Cool. So how early do you get up then to fit it all in? Well, this morning the alarm went off at five and once upon a time I used to go for a run at five and now I was, yeah, just churning away, trying to get ahead on Monday because so much happens on Mondays mm. and it's kind of nice, but yeah, I've got to check myself sometimes and think, am I addicted to work or is this what, you know, my ideal day is meant to look like or yeah, just sometimes you can go down the rabbit hole of your own business that I probably didn't foresee when I started out thinking I'd just be, you know, at athletics carnivals and swimming carnivals and having massages whenever I want them. That's not really how it's panned out. Yes, I know what you mean, but that flexibility still is there, right? Like if you need to shift things, you can still be at school for um, assemblies and stuff, right? Absolutely. I'm I'm very visible for my children. Just sometimes my brain is like, <laughs> look, is elsewhere even when I'm looking at them. I'm like thinking, oh my God, I've got so much to do. Yes, I feel you. And then I'm like guilty because I'm putting reminders in my phone about work stuff while I'm with my children. And then, yeah, but I'm like, well, I'm there for, you know, I do, I do canteen duty. I come to athletics. I can help with reading at school. I pick you up. I drop you off. You don't go to before and after school care. And then, yeah, it's a bit of a, like a, a mind game, isn't it? Yeah. You sound like me. I do sight words and I try and be there for the carnivals. And I recently wasn't there for one and yeah, had oh. massive mum guilt about it, which is just so silly, right? <laughs> like, it is, but yeah. I think like as much as we talk about it and people will give their two cents worth or are even like experts in the mindset space, mum guilt, I think we just got to accept it. It's just part of it. Like I've never met anyone who could fully escape it. So mm, just yeah. roll with it, I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you were saying about what you do before, since mm-hmm. it's tax time in Australia right now, tax is not your thing. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I'm really, when I first started my business, I got nervous and I'm like, oh, if I'm not a tax accountant, how will I make a career out of this bookkeeping thing? But it's so clear to me these days that tax and bookkeeping are very separate things. So 
tax accountants who I work very closely with and love, they really come in to strategize, to get great tax outcomes for their clients or to do the actual tax return at the end of financial year, although there's many months to get that return done if you're, um, depending on what sort of entity you're running. Um, Whereas a bookkeeper is there day to day, week to week, month to month, you know, making sure the numbers are correct um, come tax time. So I like to say bookkeepers are in the trenches and tax accountants are sort of like on the, you know, the helicopter view looking down um, at us on the in the trenches um but yeah yeah okay cool that makes sense um I think back we first met at a word fetty copywriting workshop it was like copywriting workshop it was like well before COVID and I think it was like an instant kind of match of brands where you fully recognize how someone talks about and presents their brand you you know you see oh that's a business that's got the goods that's how I saw you anyway (laughs) um you know as as someone you want to connect with and follow their journey and then since those all those years ago I've kind of watched you metamorphose you know you have a team around you you created a successful course you've had a literal sea change and you left Sydney like Mm -hmm. it's awesome to have watched all of that (laughs) um I love that you had this vision of yourself at the start, I remember you telling me this in person, that you thought when you lived in Sydney on the northern beaches, you'd open your business and you'd be cruising up and down the northern beaches (laughs) in a decked out combi servicing your clients. (laughs) So I was thinking if you would be able to explain, how did you get from like corporate life and Westpac, that corporate mass wheel to the combi dream to where you are now? Oh, thank you so much for those kind words. And I remember that workshop beautifully. And I was so fresh and so new. And there were some big names in the room, including Anita, like obviously from Word Fetty and Steph Taylor and uh, who's who in the zoo. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like Instagram coming to life. And it was so <laughs> lovely meeting you. And we've stayed in touch. And yeah, there's been beautiful um, synergies that have happened with you knowing my biz bestie, Sue Rioka, out of this as a copywriter. Anyway. Um, Yes, my initial vision for my business was to be a bookkeeper for tradies because I didn't really understand what my client portfolio could be or would be. So that was what I set my sights on. And I did really want a combi van at the time, like a family dream. And my husband and I joked that we could get a van and like have it as a work vehicle and I would drive up and down the northern beaches collecting receipts from my tradie clients and doing their bookkeeping and giving them stone and wood beers out of the fridge that was going to be in the combi. Um, And it's so funny because it's not until just recently, three years on, that I've got my first tradie client. And the only reason I've let him into my um, bookkeeping business is because he's the brother of a creative who was already my client. Otherwise, I um, I don't service tradies at all. And that's just how it turned out, my first handful of clients were creatives and I fell in love with the creative world and I loved what I could offer creative business owners being, um, you know, I'm I'm introverted, but I, I can talk the creative talk, I guess, or break it down um, in a way that makes sense for, for those wonderful people. So, yeah, I just really found my gel um, there and therefore I niched into creative business owners and, and specifically e-com. I, I have a lot of range of industries that I service, but um, e-com is where I guess I'd say most of my clients are. So, but I did get the combi. <laughs> it's a California beach, which is a modern day combi. And on the weekend, we picked up another van as well, um, which is not business related at all. That's just um, a family van that, yeah, yeah, it's got a bed and kitchen and everything in it. So yeah, van life is is where my passion lies, but it, it has little to do with actually how I run my business these days. Mm. Ain't it funny how things work out, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but I love that you actually had a plan and like 
you even thought it out down to like mm-hmm. the kind of beer. Mm-hmm. Hang on, did that tradie that you now work with, did you give him any beer when he joined? I haven't yet because he's on the northern beaches, funnily enough. Oh. And I'm, I'm now up near Queensland in, in the Tweed Shire, but I will definitely give him beer if I see him. Um, yeah. Full circle moment in your business. Yeah, but I think even if the plan doesn't work out, it's really nice and comforting to have some sort of plan because in those early days when you, I mean, it's hard for some of us to remember now that we've been going for a while, but like when you literally have no clients or you have one and you're not sure if there's this idea has legs, it just helps you to wake up the next morning and try again if you kind of have a bit of direction as to where you're going. And if you go in a completely different direction in the end, that's fine. But have some sort of plan, I think, is is my advice. Yeah, I know. I don't think you fully need like a detailed business plan in a whole document necessarily. That no, I definitely didn't have a document. That would have been a funny document. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have never had one. So, yeah, that's why I say from my experience, I don't think you necessarily need one. <laughs> no, just something in your head that you can latch onto and, and, you know, feel like this is a good place to be going and then you'll probably not even go there at all. But, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a good story a few years down the track. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when you moved like up north to the coast, um, mm-hmm. what was that like, like to pack up your family and make yeah. that dream that like dream move of while being a small business owner? Yeah, I, I think a lot of the decisions that my husband and I have made in our life when we reflect, it's never a lot of thinking that's gone into them. It's usually a very <laughs> No plan, decision. no thinking. No, and it's funny because even in this town we're in, it's called Casuarina and it's a beautiful town, but I'd never heard of it until I found this house on Domain or whatever, realestate.com, and then we we came and looked at it once and then we just bought it. Um, And I don't know, once upon a time we went to Amsterdam on a whim and that changed our life and, I don't know, we buy vans because someone (laughs) advertises them on um, Instagram and then we're like, oh, we should snap that off. Like we don't think, (laughs) this sounds terrible because I'm always one that says you should budget and plan, but sometimes (laughs) gut gut feel is a really good litmus test for for life. And um, we, COVID part one had just happened and like it was March a couple of years ago, three, I don't know, however many years ago, three years ago, and we were both working from home a lot because the offices were closed for him and I. I had a virtual business and we just said, we can do this Zooming stuff from anywhere. And we're like, yeah, well, let's do it. And it was as simple as that. Then we found a house, then we bought it and then we moved. And if my business was as big as it is today, then moving would have been a bit more complicated, but I only had a handful of clients at the time. So it was pretty easy logistically to pack up everything and and leave. But moving does suck. Like I really... I know some people enjoy the freshness and renewal, but I, I found it quite challenging. Um, but that was a personal level. That's got nothing to do with my business. So, yeah. Man, you make it sound like so easy, like here's an idea, let's grab it and off we, do, off we go. We'll make it happen. Well, if, your, like gut, if your gut tells you that, that's all. Like I wasn't, yeah, sitting around Sydney going, oh, I really want to get out of here. But just sort of suddenly one day it make, made sense to try something new. And, and uh, you know, if I'm honest, the house prices and things were did seem insurmountable like we were ready for the next house but I mean yeah you know what it's like it just seems like crazy to to try and go up in in the the suburbs that we were living in so this really seems like a fresh hopeful idea and uh it's worked out beautifully because now we live on the beach in an awesome town and uh yeah have a have a much nicer abode than we did before and yeah we're, we're living this northern life and it's awesome. Good. That's yeah. so good. And you're happy. 
Yes, although my husband does fly back to Sydney most weeks. So, um, yeah, there's other complications <laughs> in, yeah. in that regard. But, yeah, whatever, you know, if you're passionate about something, you'll make it work, which is what we keep telling ourselves. Yeah, mm. true. Mm. And so you, like, you have grown your business since you moved and mm. you've scaled it. What's, mm. like, your experience been like there? Because I guess you can't necessarily be as hands-on as you might have once mm. been with bookkeeping and there's management and people to look after, like, yeah. Yeah, I think I've I've have scaled it. I've got two full-time staff and two part-time staff. And the part-time staff are client managers and my full-time staff are the um real doers. They, you know, they do so much to make things happen. And then we've got managers that come in and review everything and liaise with our clients. And it works wonderfully overall, but day to day there can be some issues and um and that's been hard like trying to let go and then realizing you have to go back into the detail and and wondering how you ever truly step away I'm still trying to work that that part out but I do see some of my clients doing it um and generally that's putting a general manager in um and I'm not there yet by any means but um yeah, scaling's been beautiful. I'm, I'm, I love my team and I think they love their job. They tell me so all the time. So it's a really nice environment to work in. Um, but yeah, we all work really hard and yeah, we're still learning every day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think we always are in business. <laughs> but the goal this year is to stabilize. Um, I don't know. Our books are shut now for new clients. We cannot take on anyone else at the moment. And the next phase of growth would be taking on someone new and I need to rejuvenate my energy before I'm ready for that. So, um, yeah, there is a lot involved in, in growing a team. So does it take a lot out of you, like emotion, emotional energy wise, having a team? Yeah, because I still do for better or worse, a fair bit of bookkeeping. So you're trying to train people in, in doing what you do. Then you're trying to let go and be the CEO because you've decided that you're the CEO now and, um, like every day, it's just wondering where you need to be. And I'm still heavily involved in my clients emotionally and mentally. So I've got like, you know, 50 different problems of my clients running in my head every day. And um, even though I may not be working on the client, I'm still always thinking about them and they text me and email me and sometimes call me and I'm like, ah. Um, so yeah, it, it's massive, um, but it's good. <laughs> but as I said, still learning to to manage it all. Yeah. And so how do you know when you're ready to take on paid employees? Like mm. are there particular signs within yourself or on your balance sheet that it's like time to take that leap? Well, um, obviously you need to have the cash flow in order to take someone on. So I would always recommend just because you've got cash in the bank this month doesn't mean you're going to have the same cash in the bank in six months if you have big tax bills or something due. So I would always recommend um, checking whether you've got the cash to pay someone week to week or month to month. Um, but generally it's a feeling of just not being able to do everything yourself anymore. And I realized I always wanted to just be a sole trader. I thought I just wanted to give myself a job and replace my income that I was earning in my corporate job. And I did that. And then I realized, oh, I can't take a holiday ever. Like I do payroll for, you know, 50, 60 people. I can't just say I'm away and get someone else to do it. Payroll isn't something that you can just get anyone to come in and cover um, same with accounts payable or just bookkeeping in general. I wasn't sure how I'd ever go away for two weeks or, you know, like I had historically in my corporate job. And that was a real flag for me that this sole trader thing as a bookkeeper doesn't work because it's not project work. It's ongoing annuity work. 
Um, so that was my indicator. And then you employ someone and then you realize you don't make as much as you did <laughs> because you've now diluted your earnings and then you have to grow again to get to that same level of earnings. And, and it's a real bumpy ride, but, um, but yeah. So but how do you know, I guess in summary, sorry, right. Um, cash flow and the feeling that you can't do it alone. It tends your query. Yes. Okay. So a person who wants to scale, who should, should they talk to a bookkeeper? Like, I don't know if I wanted to scale my business, would I come to you and go, what are the signs financially help me? Yeah. If you needed help, if numbers aren't your thing, then absolutely. Then you should talk to someone because sometimes it could be a half an hour chat that can set you, you know, on the right path. Um, or you could literally learn how to do a cash flow and plug the numbers in. I have templates for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you wanted, if you wanted to do it yourself, but also, and I am assuming with your business, I don't know at all, but like as a copywriter, maybe you do a website or, you know, a project piece and then you stop and then you don't take on a client so that you can go on leave for a couple of weeks. Like you can manage your business differently to what I could manage mine say. So everyone's circumstance is different. Yeah. And, and I think it's worth noting as well. Like sometimes a really great way to get help is to get um, ex like external experts in, like you could hire a VA or hire someone to do social media or um, I don't know, hire someone to help you with your podcast. These are all things I've done, but I can't get an external like, uh, service provider to come in and help with the bookkeeping because there's confidentiality and privacy and you know high levels of training that need to go into doing what we do so I have to have internal staff to do that job but yeah. um but you, yeah that's not everyone's industry or trade so there's other ways to get help yeah without employees I think mm. in my experience with a lot of people that I've talked to there's like a bit of there's definitely hesitation to outsource things even like to bring in a VA I don't know what's your take on that oh my gosh my VA has changed my life so she's more social media and everyone asks me I if you look at my Instagram DMs it's so many people every week who does your social media who does your social media can I ask can I contact them um and her name is Brittany and her company is um with B or work with B but she's not taking on any new clients unfortunately for everyone but yeah, I was hesitant because it's crazy spending money. It can, well, for me, it felt uncomfortable spending money on something that wasn't directly related to earning revenue in my business. Uh, but I, what would happen with me is I, I would get busy and I would disappear off social media for like two, two or three weeks. And for me, because I get a pipeline of people from um, in clients, I should say, sorry, from social media, if I disappear for two or three weeks, that could be detrimental for people knowing that I exist. And so I thought I need help. I got Brit to help me. Um, it was hard to spend the money at first. Now I'm just like, take my money. This is amazing because the content is, I still review it. I'm still heavily involved, but she keeps me honest. She keeps me on track. She's doing the graphics. And so that, that was amazing. Um, so I get the discomfort of letting go, but when you let go, if it's the right thing to let go of, it just pays you back in spades. Um, so yeah, I happily spend that money on my social media and, and some VA tasks as well. But again, with my business, it's hard. I'd love a VA to come in and manage my inbox, but because of my privacy and confidentiality, and it's really hard to get into any of my systems. I have this thing called practice protect, which like basically puts a wall around everything, including my emails and my staff's emails. So you can't get a VA to come in and look at my emails. Like I'd need to bring them into my like world. Mm. And yeah, so that's really hard for me, but I would love someone to, to manage my inbox as well because mm. it's never at zero <laughs> <laughs> i know mine really is and it's kind of oh that's good to hear 
freaks me out like like layers onto my or creates anxiety because it's like oh you've got all these people who want you and and it's even if they're like little emails that you could just answer in a one-liner it still like stresses me out it's yeah. not a, not a nice feeling but then you see other people like I've got a friend and I saw her on her phone and there were like 4,532 emails no 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 red flag yeah we have a KPI in our team that we have to get back within 48 hours so it's a bit of a and that's internally as well so if someone in my team needs me like I need to get back to them in a timely basis to support them so that helps keep us honest but um but it's still challenging sometimes. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. It's, so it's like a process that you've set up or like a rule or something? Well, yeah, I don't test it. It's just what like we, we're, it's our service level agreement to ourselves and to our clients because I just try and empathize with the person on the other end of the email mm-hmm. and just think, how would it feel if you sent an email to me and I didn't get back to you for over two days and you're a paying client of mine? That would feel terrible. So I try mm-hmm. and just keep that front of mind. And even if it's a little... And I know some people have like canned emails and automations and they kind of annoy me a bit. So I don't have those. So I just try and go back and go, got it. I'm on it. I'll be back to you soon or something like just yes. to acknowledge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on those kind of automated responses. It's like, oh, great. They replied. Oh, no, mm. they didn't. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so just happening. Yeah. It's better yeah, just I to. Think user experience is low. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm with mm. you. Oh. And you've also launched a course. Was it last year or this year? I launched it last May. Uh, yeah, it's called Bookkeeping It Real. Yeah, and so it's a year old now. Um, cool. That's yeah. like pretty much like it's a hell of a step to take because mm. it's a major way to pitch yourself as an expert and to stand up and go, yep, I am good at what I do <laughs> and I'm good enough to teach others. What's yeah. like, tell, tell me about it. What's What's that been like for you, especially now that you've got a whole year of perspective and time in the seat? Yeah. Okay. So I launched the course for two reasons. One out of necessity, because I was unable to service any new clients at the time, because we were full before we hired April, our latest hire. Um, And also that I felt like when I was doing zero setups and training, I was saying the same thing over and over. And I was like, why am I saying the same thing over and over? I should just like record this. And then <laughs> say <you> know, it was. <laughs> yes. So that was part of it. And the other part was um, I was influenced by all the people, you know, there's a lot of um, information out there saying how good launching a course is and passive income. And I was feeling really influenced by that and thought, I want to give this a go for better or worse. So it was a bit of a career goal um, that I'd had for a year prior. I just like, I should just do this. So I had to get it off my back in a way whatever came of it. I didn't know. I, I kept saying, and I truly believe this, if it was an absolute flop. I didn't care. I just wanted to give it a go. Of course I would rather it not be, but I wanted to just try it the way. Yeah. I, I set goals like this, like running or <laughs> marathons or whatever. I just want to try them, whatever happens and then put it behind me, but it didn't flop. It was, um, it's been very good for my business. Um, it was very taxing to do. Um, I did Steph Taylor's launch magic course, which was all about launching. So I was learning about launching as well as writing the course at the same time. And I thought it would be easier because I know the stuff so well, intimately, I thought it would be easier than it was. But even though, you know, the content intimately, you've got to record yourself, you've got to do slides, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot more that went into it and it was very arduous and I'm glad it's done and it's probably time to relaunch it um and i'll get the energy up to do that because i evergreened it and everyone says don't evergreen have it live and 
I did, I broke all the rules, but I, I broke the rules to make myself feel comfortable in it in order to show up. And yes. um, no, yeah, no regrets. And that's totally okay to do that. Like, yeah, yeah. We this are is funny. People, we are, but all the advice, if you go down the launching and creating a course, um, teachings that very often people say don't evergreen it because that doesn't give people the urgency to buy it and you know try to get your your customers before you've even written it because then you know you've got something that's going to sell and then you can write it as you go and all these things and that just felt because I'm an introvert and I'm a bit of a perfect well I'm much of a perfectionist um, I didn't dare risk like filming it on the fly and having it be bad. So I wanted to make sure it was perfect before I packaged it up and sold it. And that felt comfortable for me, mm. but it goes against what, you know, those famous course people tell you to do. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. But if your inner voice is like, no, let's just do it in a comfortable way because that's how I'll get it out there. And Absolutely. then later I'll like yeah. evolve it or, or change it. That's the right way for you. And that's the most important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Just stay true to yourself and whatever helps you to show up. Yes. Um, and they said it was a success anyway. So the way you did it must have worked. <laughs> absolutely. But I think it's hard to, if I'm honest, like keep energy up for an evergreen. So mm. my thinking behind it was zero because my course is on bookkeeping and zero. That's an evergreen um, subject because you don't have to do it at a certain time of year it's just there whenever people need it and I didn't want to pressure people into thinking it's only available now and given there wasn't a live component what's it matter but then you lose momentum of spruiking it I guess because it's still there but I don't really want to talk about it every month in my Instagram so <laughs> that's what's hard about the evergreen is you don't have specific times of year where you dedicate a lot of energy to it and then put it to bed for a few months and then yeah so yeah that, that's my learning or well, not learning but that, that that's something I would advise someone who's about to write a course to really consider that but I'd probably still do it my own way again just because I'm stubborn and <laughs> And, and I'm not reliant on it. Like my business, the meat and potatoes of my business um, is bookkeep, outsource bookkeeping services. The course is just like the cherry on top. So unless I switch it around, there's not a lot of pressure on me to make, yeah, this course be an Amy Porterfield style, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, the pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I sometimes feel like the pressure, oh, I should have a course because other people do. But I'm like, no, Rachel, you're not actually – good at teaching people or kind of processifying copywriting like putting it in a process mm. for people so yeah that's one reason why I'm like no nah, a course isn't for me and so just as you were like okay this is what they say but this is how I do it that's kind mm. of my take well the course is probably not for me unless I start to feel a whole lot more clarity about how to teach someone to do what I do and just making sure, and you would know this anyway from your beautiful copywriting background, but it just I, I feel like plenty of people, well, one, I know for a fact don't make money off courses because I get to see behind the scenes. So they're not always, just because you do a course doesn't mean it's going to be uber like profitable or anything like that. So you make sure you want to do it just in case because um, that may be the only <laughs> just in case. <laughs> that may be the only gratification that you have at the end of it is that, you know, you've got the satisfaction that you tried. Um, but also having the knowledge to create something that people want and need and not just the course that you want to create for the sake of it mm -hmm. um yeah and I I think some people these days think just create a course whatever just come up with something but it really has to be something that people are willing to spend money on and 
you know, we've got all sorts of reasons people don't want to spend money at the moment, inflation and really high prices all around. It's like whenever we're spending money, it's, there's not, you know, interest rates rising. There's a lot of reasons people aren't just throwing money at courses. So yeah, just check yeah. that that's the best place to spend your energy. Yes, that sounds like a great checklist. <laughs> and I think the energy one is probably something that's like overlooked a fair bit because you wouldn't, I think, and I think you think about it that much when you set out to create a course, you wouldn't think about the emotional and mental energy that it takes. There was one day I was lying because you've got a rule well, for me in my course creation. I had a ring light in my face all day. I was using this system called ScreenFlow, recording everything, and I'd say stuff wrong and then I'd reset it. So if you're doing this live, you don't have to do all this perfection, like um, making stuff. So that's another hindrance of what I did. <laughs> But all day long, I'm just sitting there recording myself and it would make me nauseous. And one day I was lying on the floor and my husband's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not. I'm like, I'm hyperventilating. I'm not okay. And he's like, whoa, like you need to calm down. And I'm like, I think this course has just got the better of me, like, which is so silly in hindsight, but it it was physically taxing and mentally taxing. And I, I didn't exercise. Like I really dedicated myself to it for maybe two months. I can't remember exactly, but I wasn't exercising. I was pretty absent from all the extracurricular stuff I'm like just see me out like till I do this and yeah I don't know it's not everyone's jam to be that dramatic or or do that but it sounds like you're an author like hurrying like to finish the book to get it out of you and like everyone the world has to stop just bring coffee and I'll be fine but let me stay here and talk that's exactly what it was like so yeah don't copy me but that's what I did yeah oh man wow there's so much wisdom that you've yeah, you've mm. come across, you've learned, you've earned in mm. creating your course. That's cool. Oh. Mm. Um, so at the time of recording, it is tax time. Are yes. there things that like we should be doing now to be ready for our tax agent or accountant? Well, I hope you've already done them. <laughs> would be my <laughs> would be my reflection. Well, of and course I have, them. but others might not. So yeah, come on. <laughs> So, and by them, the things I'm referring to are hopefully you've got your finances in some sort of system, ideally accounting software like Xero or all those other ones that I'm mentioning. Excel is fine if you've got a simple business and it's better than nothing. But Excel, I guess what I would say is sometimes, and not you, Rachel, um, but sometimes it's easy to record your income, but sometimes we forget expenses and that's all. If you're really disciplined and every time you spend something on your business you plug it into excel then great but i would say a lot of people don't and especially if you've got a business card and a personal card or only a personal card if you're a sole trader chances are like you're going to not love sifting through 12 months of transactions on a csv file from your bank to to try and find what was business or go going through a shoebox if that's where you keep your receipts or a glove box oh or no receipts or, or whatever and so i just feel like that's can be a bit of a messy approach. It might work if you're a sole trader with not that that many transactions or like project work and not too many expenses. But for most businesses, certainly any businesses that I come in contact with, like as a bookkeeping service provider, Excel will not cut it. Um, Yeah. And Xero is so affordable. Like right now, well, actually it ended on the 30 June, but they're actually offering 50% off for nine months off all their subscriptions. And so if that's not worth giving it a go, I don't know what it is. Like it's for some businesses, they're getting the standard plan at like $25 a month. I mean, when you think of what we pay for Canva and Google and I don't know, Dropbox and Adobe and all the other things, like why wouldn't your accounting software rate as one of those, you know, valuable things that you're happy to spend money on? Um, So Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's how I feel 
about the importance of zero, but each <laughs> their own. And I do not judge anyone. <laughs> I just help. I help. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, lots of business are, business owners are a bit standoffish about accounting stuff. It's almost like an uncomfortable word to say. Like, why yeah. do you think that is? I, yeah. Well, I guess it's not fun, but it can be fun. So I, I get, and I feel like this, if I have to go in the back end of my website to fix something, I will literally procrastinate for three days before doing something so simple because I don't enjoy being in a website. I don't enjoy being in Kajabi and sending a marketing email. I don't enjoy creating Canva templates for my Instagram. I'll do it all and I can, but I don't enjoy it. So in that, I can understand why someone doesn't love numbers if that's not their usual um, space where they play for their business. But zero makes numbers enjoyable like going into zero it is really beautiful to be there and i mean you don't have to do that much it what zero does is it picks up your transactions from your business bank account and it puts them into zero um like the dashboard and you can click on the relevant bank account and then you jump in there and you go oh, okay that was an office expense or that was stationary or that you know it's pretty simple and i would say fun you don't need to be a rocket scientist to do a lot of your bookkeeping yourself the only reason you need a bookkeeper to help you is when it gets a bit more complicated or, you know, too many transactions or when there's GST involved, you might need some training. Um, but I would argue, and I, I hear this, not just me arguing, the feedback I get from creators who have done my course, they're like, oh, wow, I love zero and I didn't know it could do this and look at me go and look how many different sales types I have now, not just the one. I can split out my, you know, digital course sales versus my, um, you know, face-to-face -face sales or, or whatever the case may be. So it gives them empowerment and, and more information about their business. And it also means, you know, day-to-day, week-to-week, whether you're profitable or not. If you're waiting to the end of the year to plug your expenses into a spreadsheet, then you didn't really know during the year. Fair enough. If you've only got one expense, it's not that big a deal. But say you had 20 per month, then you don't know how profitable you are month to month. Mm -hmm. And it's no joke that a lot of business owners truly don't, when they come to me, they don't know if they're profitable. Really? Um, yeah. But that's why we're here ultimately. We want to I make know. money. <laughs> but sometimes I feel, and this is me, what my, like my interpretation, some people get caught up in the passion of what they're doing or they hope, you know, the first two years we didn't make a profit, but maybe in the third year, like sometimes they can just keep plugging away, not really adjusting anything um, to attain the right financial outcomes. Or I don't know, some business owners have a partner and I'm not saying this is female or male. It can just be another partner in the partnership that's earning enough money that allows the creative person, like even when I say creative, it could even be me because <laughs> my husband has a more um, traditional job where he goes to work every day sort of thing that, you know, lets you bounce around in this, let's experiment and throw spaghetti at walls job for a while. And it's, it's not relied on to pay the mortgage. So you can get a bit lazy with driving financial outcomes for yourself, I think. So mm -hmm. having zero or another accounting software there that spits out your profit or loss every month and, and gives you that view, keeps you accountable. Um, and it can be confronting sometimes, but what you don't know, you can't change. So I think knowing your numbers is empowering. Yes, mm. I can see that. And I mm. think it's about not, not passion before profit. Yes. <laughs> like the balance of that, essentially. Passion, I'd say like passion for three to six months and then... <laughs> you know you know it's okay to not make a profit initially there's so many costs in starting a business and if you don't have a client to save yourself or haven't sold a product that doesn't mean you need to give up but you need to yeah not keep throwing money at something that's not profitable for a year or two you need to change tact and the way you change tact is to track your finances and to make sure your prices are correct and 
yeah, be really involved in it. Don't just see numbers as something that you pay tax on. It's to try and create the life that you want to lead. And it feels awesome. Like when you're growing and, or not growing, but knowing why you're not growing and being accountable or responsible or reflective on that. I think, yeah, numbers are cool. It's all good. <laughs> I love mm. that there are people like you who are so into it so that mm. the word people like me and everyone else who is not as into it can rely on people like you. It's exactly why you have a business, right? <laughs> exactly. And I think that's the end of it. It doesn't matter if you're a word person or a textiles person or a tradie person if you're in business the goal of a business is to make profit if the goal isn't profit and it's ad hoc then you're running a hobby not a business so if you've decided to run a business then own that and that means knowing your numbers like it or not and if you don't know your numbers get someone who can hand them to you on a silver platter every month and you don't have to do it yeah Awesome. That's the point. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll promote this podcast. <laughs> and I want to ask something. You recently posted about something that's pretty controversial, particularly for, I think, e-com business owners, mm-hmm. and that is about how it's important to not pass merchant fees onto your customers um, or fall them into your costs. Can you open that Pandora's box for me? <laughs> I sure. want to know what you think. Well, thank why. you for being aware of my thought leadership out there. Um <laughs> Yeah, look, there's no rules on this. You So my I did a podcast on why I don't think we should pass on merchant fees. So merchant fees are credit card fees or Stripe fees or PayPal fees um, that we incur in collecting money from our customers or clients. And a lot of businesses pass these on. And you would know this if you go to the coffee shop, often you're like, oh, there's a, a percentage that's added on to that that was higher than the coffee cost because the, the ca- cafe is passed on that fee. That's the coffee shop example. Um, Sometimes it's at retail stores. I'll have a little sign that says, you know, if you pay with Amex, you're going to be charged this fee. Or sometimes stores will just say, no, we don't take that card. But even in our virtual businesses, um, you have an opportunity to, like if you use Stripe to collect payment in Xero, for example, you can click a box in Xero that says get reimbursed for the Stripe fee, which is essentially charging someone for the privilege of paying you the money that you asked them to pay you. And I used to do this because when I was starting out, as I'm sure a lot of people listening would relate to, you get paid, say someone tries to pay you through PayPal, which you set up as a payment offering, and then PayPal takes a cut. And if you're getting paid two grand or something, that can be a quite a big cut. And you're like, what? I got, you know, paid 40 bucks less than, I, I didn't do the calculations there, by the way, but I, I got paid substantially less than what my invoice said. That feels really yucky and I, that's not okay. I want to pass that on or stop using PayPal. And that's what I did initially. I stopped using PayPal and I started charging for Stripe. So Stripe's when someone pays you by credit card. And then I read this article by my payment platform provider, Ignition, who I use in my accounting business. And this article essentially said that, is it right to really charge these fees? I think we should think broader than that. And in a nutshell, the broadness of this thinking is it's really good to get paid quickly. And to get paid quickly, you should let people pay you however they want to pay you, be that cash, direct debit, credit card, PayPal, whatever, you're going to get paid quicker if they have an option. And how good is that? Like literally I get paid on time every time because I've got direct debits or direct credits into my bank account from my my clients and they can use credit card or bank 
transfer or whatever they want, but I get paid on time. I have no bad debts. I'm not chasing anyone. And I think paying a merchant fee on behalf of my clients for that privilege is so worth it. And how dare I charge my clients for paying me? I guess I just flipped it on its head and it just doesn't make sense to me anymore. And same at the coffee shop. I'm like, I buy coffee here every day. Is it really up to me to pay your bank fees? Like, I don't think so. I think that's between you and your bank and that's part of you doing business. Are you going to charge me for your advertising and, you know, the cups that you bought? Just put it into the coffee costs if you must. Like, I I don't know. I just think it's cheeky and I've become passionate on this now, but there's no rules. (laughs) Yeah. You you can still charge the fee if you want, or you can refuse Mm -hmm. Just say, I don't want to pay Amex because the fees are too big. But Mm. if you're going to accept Amex, maybe just be, I don't know, be okay with, with paying the fee and knowing that you're going to get paid quicker because your customer got to pay you in the way that they wanted. Mm. I Mm. love that you are strong and clear and reasonable about putting a thought out there that might make others uncomfortable because Mm. like it's just too easy to go along with whatever oh they do it so I'll do it like that like Mm. so yes um I guess I'm just like giving you a massive thumbs up (laughs) for (laughs) thinking differently and putting it out there that's so bold and brave and I would never have thought of it like that but when you Mm. explain it I'm like yes how audacious that I should be Mm. charged to pay in the way that they want me to pay (laughs) Mm. especially especially during COVID right we couldn't pay with cash like a lot of businesses wouldn't even accept if I'm talking about the coffee shop not about the virtual businesses that we run but you couldn't actually use cash so I'm like I can't actually pay you in any other way so it felt really wrong at that time to have to pay the fee even though it's minimal for the most part Mm. um but I just think it's thinking small and yeah now I think big and think I can I can afford that bank fee and I'm grateful to pay it because I get paid quickly and on time and I'm cool with that Oh, awesome. Mm. <laughs> All right, before we finish, I've got some like rapid fire questions. Sure. Uh, what's the biggest risk you've taken in your business? Just starting it, making <laughs> a start, honestly, like leaving a corporate career so scary or, or whatever. And uh, yeah, it was a risk and it's still paying off, I guess. So yeah, yay. Yay to cool. that risk. <laughs> um, the one business spend you don't skimp on. Sorry, this is a bit general but I don't skimp on any, I don't skimp at all. I, um, I just make sure I do, do you know, like Marie Kondo, um, like the joy testing things, I joy yeah. test all my expenses <laughs> and I go down the list and I'm like, does, you know, paying for this OneDrive or oh, not OneDrive, so Office 365 account bring me joy? Absolutely it does. I'm so happy with how it makes my life easy. Cool, cool. Let's let's go with that. Um, you know, do I love Adobe? Yes. I love how I can put my signature on PDFs, like whatever. So I really see the value in what I spend money on. I don't spend money on anything I don't love or need. And, um, yeah, I don't skimp on the things that bring value and make my business appear wonderful to the outside world. For example, I just bought Typeform last week and I've put it off for years because it's really expensive and I've been using Google Forms, but I've splurged and gone with Typeform because I just love how it looks. And I'm like, I'm ready. Abundance mindset. I can afford Typeform. Yes, okay. and it will give your customers a better like brand experience as yeah. well, and that is powerful. So Exactly. So no skimping. I actually splurge, but I splurge on things that I value. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, most embarrassing business mistake. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. This might lose credibility. Um, in the early days, so when I decided to leave the corporate career and start a bookkeeping business, I put on my website that I offer payroll services and I didn't know that you're not allowed to write that 
um, unless you're a BAS agent and I wasn't a BAS agent yet. And the tax practitioners board called me up and told me to take it down. So yeah, that was really humbling. And I said in those early days of my business, if I knew then what I know now, I don't think I'd have done this. (laughs) So, Like, I don't think I'd have left my corporate career. Like it felt so uncomfortable and I felt so stupid, but yeah, I just went and became a BAS agent and then it was all good. Um, But, but, but very embarrassing. Like, yeah, because I didn't know what I didn't know. But yes. the tax practitioners board reminded me. Actually, I think, I, and I still to this day wonder if someone like reported me or whether they do like audits of like, I don't know. I don't know. It's a mystery, but it was embarrassing. Mm. But most people <laughs> might not have realized, oh my God, look at that mistake. She can't do that. It was just, it sounds like it was kind of private. Well, what was it? Yeah, but it was a it was a crisis of confidence. Yeah, really, of just go. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, do I really know? Not know what I'm doing? Yes. Um, yeah. So, Especially in those early days when you're like, yeah, I can do this, and I'm still believing in myself. But um, come on, guys, you can believe in me too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a business decision you wish you'd made earlier. Um, maybe to employ staff earlier. I think I struggled. Um for a bit longer than I had to, but it was nerve wracking employing my first staff member, which was Leela. Um, but I also didn't know how to find a staff member. So I, yeah, I just worried about it for a while. And then I told someone that I was looking for someone and they said, Oh, my sister was really looking for a great flexible job. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So Leela kind of landed in my lap, which was wonderful. And that was the universal serendipity or whatever. But, um, yeah, so it worked out perfectly, but, you know, it, hiring staff has been the best thing I've ever done. So to have done it earlier could only have been a good thing, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. no regrets. <laughs> uh, so cool. Great mm. um, point to end on. Thank you so much, Beck, for sharing all your experiences and your wisdom and a couple of kind of accounting and tax guidance and tips, which are very timely. I think whenever, whatever time of year you're listening to, whether it's tax time or not in your country. <laughs> thank you so much Rachel for having me it's been lovely you're welcome legend thanks for listening to rise and shine head to your podcast player leave a review and subscribe so we can spread the love to more brave business-minded women like you you can find me online at shinecopy.com.au